0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory.
1: Well, it's my privilege this morning to open the word. And If you've got a Bible or a device, you might want to get that out and begin to get that ready. If you want a title for the message this morning, it's quite simply this, trust me trust me simple message if you came here this morning looking for some new revelation you may be disappointed but i believe the lord wants to speak into our hearts this morning and say trust me trust me it's old wisdom the ancient paths good ways that give rest for our soul trust me you see there's a challenge for us to trust in the whole of life Trust becomes an issue. A couple of weeks ago, we flew to Singapore, as some of you will know, and there comes a point when you're in the airport and you're walking through, you're going towards the gate where you're going to get on your plane, and sometimes when you're walking through the airport, you see a group of people dressed in their jackets with the bands round and their hats on. And sometimes, I don't know whether to look at them or not because you realize, actually, these are the pilots. These are the crew. These are the people we are just about to entrust our lives to. Because when you get on a plane, you're trusting the pilots, you're trusting the mechanics, you're trusting the engineers, you're trusting physics you may not even understand, just judging by my own standards there. There's trust. Sometimes when you have a challenge in your health, you may need to have some surgery. There's an issue of trust. A couple of years ago, my oldest son, Sam, broke his ankle playing football and he needed to have some surgery. And so you're in a room and there's an anaesthetist and there's a surgeon and you're like, I'm just putting my trust in you gentlemen here, that you're going to bring him out and he's going to be able to walk again. You have to put trust in their hands. As you can imagine, I was perfectly calm or not, longest three hours of my life. They did a great job, actually. But trust, there's an issue of trust. Sometimes we have to trust ourselves, trust our own judgment and ability. A few weeks ago on a Saturday afternoon, as we will sometimes do, I went for a walk around the War Memorial Park with Anna Grace, our oldest daughter. I say walk, I was walking, she was scooting. And I'm not quite sure at what point on the walk, and I can't remember why, but we swapped over our roles so that she was walking and I was scooting. Yes, yeah, some of you are beginning to anticipate where this might be going. It's a really good place to scoot, the War Memorial Park, because it's got good paths, you can really get some speed up. But as we were going around, I began to get near to a bend, and so I needed to see whether I should trust my judgment on taking the bend. And I thought, no, I think I can take this bend. It's not too sharp. I don't want to, I don't want to lose my speed because it's really quite fun now. I'm in my 40s, I can make this kind of decision now. I can trust my judgment. Perhaps not so much. Uh, Because I took the bend, but in a moment, uh, I don't think I'd really taken into account the wetness of the path and the lack of grip on the tires. Because as I took the bend, the back wheel slipped out from under me, and in a nanosecond, I was no longer on the scooter. I was sprawled across the path. Now, in moments like these, obviously, I... I'd landed on my hip, which was a little bit painful, my trousers were wet because the path was wet, but there was only one real thing concerning me, as you will understand if anything has happened to you like this in public, it's, did anyone see? <laughs> you quickly, you get up off the floor, pretend you're fine and look around going, did anyone see? And more importantly, did anyone film that and is anyone uploading it? How humiliating has this just been? My daughter was there trying to stifle her laughs, because when your mother does that, it's actually quite amusing, but also herself looking around to see, or is this actually humiliating rather than entertaining? Who saw what is going on? I think we got away with it that day. I'm not sure if by the end of the morning someone's gonna come up to me and just say, we were in the park that day. <laughs> we saw it, but for your dignity, we didn't say anything, I don't know. But we think we got away with it, But you see, I trusted my own judgment. And in that instance, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. But life is full of decisions about who and what to trust. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. And sometimes when we get it wrong and we put our trust in things or in people and it proves not to be trustworthy, we can get let down or hurt or taken advantage of. It can be painful, it can be humiliating. And sometimes what happens then is our responses, we make a note to self, Don't trust that again. Be more careful next time. Don't go there. And we can end up in our lives having a bit of a focus on playing it safe. I'm not gonna take that risk. I'm gonna keep control. I don't wanna get hurt again. I don't wanna be humiliated again. The main thing is just to keep it safe. You know, the issue of trust impacts pretty much every area of our lives. And influences whether the general direction of our lives is expanding and growing or shrinking back. And particularly when it comes to how we position ourselves before God, which is why I bring us to a verse today in Proverbs chapter 3. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, we're going to read Proverbs 3, 5 to 12. Well known verses to some of us. Books, in the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 12. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. We're going to focus mainly this morning on verses five and six, but it's good to see some of the wider verses in the context where it sits. Trust me. Trust me, this isn't a new verse. Maybe if you've grown up in church, you learned this verse off by heart as a child. Most of us have heard it at some point, and yet the truth is that most of us are still trying to learn how to live it out, to trust him with all of our heart. But here in this verse are the fundamentals of Christianity, the fundamentals of following Jesus. It's about having faith and trusting in God. Because the faith we've signed up for is not about signing up to a statement of beliefs or things that we actually just think are true. It's an invitation into an active, dynamic relationship with the living God where faith and trust are the key components and connectors between us and the one who is unseen. We're called to a journey, a journey of faith and obedience where we trust and obey. Some of you will know the old chorus, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But many of us find it really difficult. And that's why we bring the verse this morning that it might speak to our hearts and encourage us, call us this morning into everything that God has for us. So first up in this verse says, simply trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The word trust is a Hebrew word that means, guess what? Trust, believe, have faith, put your confidence in. That's simply what it means. If you look in the English dictionary at what the word trust means, it means this, to rely on or have confidence in the truth, the worth, and the reliability of someone or something to put our confidence in the truth, the worth, the reliability of a person or a thing. You see, not everyone is trustworthy. Not everything is trustworthy. And if we put our trust in something that isn't trustworthy, then that is a foolish thing to do. I'm not saying this morning we should trust everything or everyone. All of us probably know someone, if we haven't done it ourselves, that at some point has trusted someone and it's ended badly because the person wasn't trustworthy. Trust has to be earned or built by a demonstration of truth, of worth, of reliability. Sometimes I think that we struggle to trust because we're not convinced in our hearts about the truth and worth and reliability of the God that we serve. And sometimes I think that's because we don't attend to the truth. We don't choose to focus upon it. Many of us, we're informed about God by other people. Sometimes by people who don't know God. Sometimes for many of us, the main sources of information as we go through the week come through our phone, maybe through the news, maybe through social media. These are our main sources of information. Or maybe we judge whether God can be trusted according to how other people have treated us or whether life generally is going well at the moment. And I want to suggest to us that this morning, if that's where our research is being taken from, then that is poor research that we're drawing upon. To judge God by the state of the world is poor research. It would be a little bit like judging the architect of St. Michael's Church, St. Michael's Cathedral in Coventry, by what stands today. It's a familiar sight, the ruins of the old cathedral. But imagine if we went there this morning, and we stood in it and we said, what sort of an architect would build a place like this? You couldn't trust an architect that would build a place like this. He's not even put a roof on it. The rain's come in, it's soaking wet, it's crumbling, the walls are falling down. What sort of an architect would ever do this? You couldn't trust him. He must have been a terrible architect. See, we cannot judge a maker by what he's made when our view of it has been attacked, burned, ruined, spoiled. When what we see of it is it's far from fit for the design and purpose for which it was originally made. And yet, even in ruins, there can be beauty, and you can find the fingerprints of the one who made it. And friends, as some of you have been reading in your devotions in Rooted in the last week or so, there is an enemy who has come to ruin the lives we see around us. There is one who's come and attacked, who's robbed and killed and destroyed. There is one who's burned and brought down what was made and wants us to mistrust the maker. And he has come and spoiled and ruined what was made and then comes and says in our ear, what sort of a maker would make that? You can't trust him. Look at it, look at it. Look at the ruins of what he's made. You can't trust a God. That would make that but if we want to trust then we have to put our confidence in the truth the reliability the worth of him who is worthy we have to make our judgment on what is true if we correctly wanted to learn about the architect of that cathedral we'd need to find out about the original design We'd need to find out what was put in place, what the plans were, what the purpose was, and then what had happened, what's been the journey since then that's brought us to here. Then we would be able to make some sort of judgment about the quality of his work and whether he could be trusted. And so when we come to consider whether God can be trusted, we have to look at the start and we have to look at the design and we have to look at how we got here. And that's why we have the Bible The Word of God, friends, it speaks of the design. It speaks of the beginning. It speaks of the journey. It helps us understand not only how things have got ruined, but also how He came to rescue and redeem. It's in this book that we find the truth of God and we learn about whether He can be trusted. Friends, the Bible sets out and it shows us the self existent eternal God always existing. The one who made everything that we know, everything that has been made, he made it out of nothing. Now, I know science has got some ideas and some theories about how some bits of this process were made, but science cannot understand how something was made out of nothing. It was God who made something out of nothing. He's the creator. He's powerful. He's mighty. He speaks and things come into being. He's the one who commands and they stand firm. He's the one who from the outset, if you check in the book, covers the shame of those who fall and protects them so they don't get separated from him from eternity. This is what I find when I look in the book. I find a God who's faithful, a God who draws men and women after him, who seeks to restore them that they might dwell with him, a God who rescues, a God who restores, a God who delivers and journeys with his people, a God who's patient with people who are stubborn and proud, like me and like you. We find a God who's kind and merciful, a good father who protects and who provides Not always protecting from, but protecting through trial. A God who, as we heard a few weeks ago, turns up in the fiery trial of his people. We find a God who's holy, a God who's just and righteous, but also loving and merciful at the same time. Who, in order to rescue mankind, takes our problem on himself, and he takes on flesh. God lays aside his glory to come and walk in the ruins with us, takes on flesh, conceived illegitimately to a teenage mother, threatened by genocide before he was two years old, has to flee to Egypt simply to survive as a refugee, then comes back and grows up in a subsistence lifestyle in first century Palestine under military occupation with Political volatility, his earthly father passes away while he's still a young man, and yet he lived a perfect life, just so he could go to the cross. Not with his own debt, but with my debt, with your debt. And on the way to the cross, he's accused of blasphemy, for claiming to be God. judged by a high priest, slapped around the face for claiming to be God. He was spat at, he was flogged, he was mocked, he was beaten, and then he's hung on a cross facing the public humiliation of being crucified between two criminals. I find a God who gives of himself totally when I look in the book. A God who gives everything, who is willing So walk a path to rescue that none of us would ever choose or conceive of choosing. And then, friends, as we've sung of this morning, he defeats death, comes back from the grave, transforms a band of fearful disciples into fearless preachers. He births a church that will reach the ends of the earth to bring back and restore many, many, many lives. And as he does so, he pours out his spirit into all flesh, it says, anyone who believes can have me. Have my spirit to live in them, wow. to enable them, to empower them, to restore them to my image, and to empower them that they might reach and rescue others. He gives of himself again. This is the God that I find as I look in his word. The God of the Bible. The truth of his worth and of his Reliability. And yet, friends, we still struggle to trust. I want to say to us this morning, as we look at the God of the Bible, what more are you waiting for? What more are we waiting for before we'll trust Him? What would make the difference for us to give everything? Because when we consider Him, when we focus on Him, when we see the truth of who He is and all that He has done, why Wouldn't we trust Him? This is your God, friends. He's good. He's loving. He's true. He's given everything for you. Trust in the Lord. This morning the Lord would say to you, trust in me. Trust in me. Moving on through the verse, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. And as I just tried to unpack a little bit what the Hebrew really says here, there's kind of two separate parts to this. It's not necessarily just with all your heart, it's like with all and unto your heart. Trust him, if you like, right to your heart and with everything. That's why it says it on the screen there, trust him right to your heart and with everything why does this matter well when we just talk about trusting with all of our heart it sounds like it's purely internal it's about what i feel on the inside it's about what's going on deep inside of me and it doesn't necessarily impact the outward but when we understand that what the writer of the proverbs is saying is trust him right to your heart and with everything it can't stay on the inside it can't stay purely internal it has to impact everything our actions our decisions as we begin to live out our convictions if you're here this morning and you think that you trust in the Lord but the decisions and the choices of your life don't line up with what he says in his word I want to question do you really trust him do you really trust him you know really we live out of the convictions of our heart And if the outward doesn't match up with what we think is on the inward, then we must question what we think is on the inside. You see, faith and trust will always be outworked in action. In fact, I think it's developed, grown, and formed in activity as we step out, as we take action. I think that when I trust God in an area, it's only then that I know for sure that I have faith, that I have trust when I've acted upon it like Abraham when the Lord said I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me and it says afterwards that God knew his heart I think God always knew his heart but the person who was changed by it was Abraham because he knew from that day on that he would truly give everything to God because it had been tested and he'd been prepared to go all the way although God had made a way out for him It's when it gets tested and we have to do something active that we know, we know, we know I will give him everything. I actually do trust him. It wasn't just that I thought maybe I did. I remember when we were moving to Nottingham and about to leave and one of our dear friends said, how are you feeling about this? You're about to leave everything and everyone. I "I can't possibly articulate the emotions that are going on in me, but I said one thing I know Is that it's given me an opportunity to prove to God that I would say yes and prove to myself. I always thought that if He asked me to go anywhere and do anything, I would say yes, but I wasn't sure. But He's come and He's asked me and given me opportunity to say yes and follow Him where He's led in a move that caused me to need to trust Him in everything, to leave friends who I could laugh and cry with, who I journeyed with for 20 years. To trust him with my children who were settled and happy and had friends and were growing in God. To trust him financially because there was a the financial component of moving as well that was a challenge and a stretch. But from that point, I knew that I would say yes, that I trusted God. I stepped out in those areas. He says, trust the, in the Lord with all your heart, right to your heart, and with everything. There's a call here that touches every area of our lives this morning. Will you trust Him with your heart? Will you trust Him with your money? Will you trust Him with your stuff? Will you trust Him with where you'll go? Will you trust Him with your desire for a companion, a husband or a wife? Will you trust that He knows best for you? his ways are best will you trust that when he says not to be yoked with an unbeliever that if you're gonna get married that that means it should be someone who's a follower of Jesus and of course if that's where you find yourself married to an unbeliever there's grace for the journey but will we trust that his ways are best and seek to walk in them will you trust that his ways are best and wait till you're married to have sex Because if God says that, then it must be the best way forward. Will you trust him to call the shots in every area of your life, right to your heart and in everything? Because he calls to you this morning, and he says, trust me, trust me. And I'm aware you may be sitting in your seat thinking, well, it's all right for you. You're married, you've met someone. You can't really expect us to trust God with this area because it's such a big area of our lives. But friends, as a pastor and as a friend, I've sat with so many different people who journey the pain of the decisions that they make when they choose not to follow what God says in his word. People who make a choice deliberately as Christians to marry someone who isn't a Christian and then journey out the pain and the heartache of trying to follow Jesus with someone who's pulling in another direction. Sometimes good men, good women but pulling in a different direction. I've heard many stories, I've sat with many people, and I've also had to make some decisions in my own life in this area. Just before I left home as as an old teenager, I was in a relationship with a young man who loved God, was passionate about God, was doing a voluntary year serving in a church in London. We both wanted to serve God with our lives. We loved one another. We saw a future together, and we're walking towards that. But as we were both coming to a bit of a crossroads in our own lives, and we were seeking God and saying, what's next? What's the next thing you want me to do? And as both of us individually sought God, we couldn't hear him. We couldn't find an answer. And so after a few months of this, we sat together and... It seemed that really we needed to lay our relationship down because all the time we were trying to hear God and saying, we're holding on to this, but then apart from that, anything. We'll go anywhere, we'll do anything. And we couldn't hear God. And we had to conclude that we needed to lay that down so we could hear him and follow where he led. So on a Sunday afternoon, we prayed together, and then he drove me back to my house and we said goodbye, and he drove away we had a few telephone conversations in the weeks that followed, but in the end they were too painful so we had to stop communicating. I wondered in the months that followed if God would give that back to us as something that we'd laid down. But then a little while later through a mutual friend I heard that he was engaged to someone else and was gonna get married. Thank God. <laughs> That's Martin on the front row said, thank God. Some people can't wait for the punchline of a story. (laughs) And so you see, there was a difficult decision and a difficult season of trusting when I couldn't see the way forward. Some of my friends in that season were like, what are you doing? This all seems right to me. But we knew in God that wasn't where it was, and I needed to trust Him with my heart and with everything. And in time, a little while later, I moved to Nottingham and went to a church that God led me to go to and met a young man. You've heard enough of that story from this pulpit in recent weeks, so we'll not go there again, but the rest, as they say, is history. But I look back and I see the wisdom of God. He had a wider view, a broader view, a longer view of what he had for my life, taking me beyond what I could ever conceive of. I couldn't see it at the time but he could see it and I had to trust in him with everything right to the heart because when we do that it opens us up to his best to his plans for us and he comes to us this morning and he says trust me trust me right to your heart and with everything if we move on through this verse he says then lean not on your own understanding Lean not on your own understanding. The writer of the Proverbs, I think he knew that quite aside from our own view of God and getting that straight, the other thing that really makes it hard for us to trust is the voice inside, the voice of reason, the voice that wants to work it out. My own thinking, my own reasoning. We live in a society that more and more does not look for truth, but says everyone's opinion matters. That's why social media can proliferate so much because everyone's view is worth hearing. Everyone's view. We all have our own understanding, our own point of view. But the Lord in Isaiah 55, he says this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, he's not saying, don't think. He's not saying, don't reason. These are important gifts that we're given to think, to reason, to consider. But we must recognize that God's reasoning is bigger, that God's understanding is wider, that he's got a bigger view than you or me. Do you know he has a wider perspective of our lives? He can see the whole of eternity, Friends, that's a pretty wide lens, the whole of eternity. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next month. He knows what's going to happen next year. He knows what's going to happen with the economy. He even knows what's going to happen with Brexit. Perhaps him alone. We're safe in his hands, friends. He knows. He knows who's going to come into your life in the future. You may never have met them, but He knows. And He knows when He's going to return. And He knows when He's going to call each one of us home. He's got a very wide perspective. Yet still sometimes I can think I know better. Or just disregard His view. Because I think, no, I've got this one. I've thought about this one. I've reasoned this one. I can go it alone. Sometimes... I can just listen to the internal voice. Sometimes the voice seemingly of reason inside of us can actually be the voice of unbelief. As Pastor Martin said last week as he shared about Jairus pursuing Jesus and then someone comes after him and says, don't bother the teacher anymore. And it seemed reasonable. It seemed in their own understanding, "Yep, it's too late now. It's too late now. But sometimes the voice of reason in our own understanding is actually giving voice to unbelief that talks us out of our faith and talks us out of our trust is why we must always defer, not lean on our own understanding, but defer to His understanding, to His wisdom, to His truth. See, we all know that God is provider, yeah? We know that He calls us to bring back to Him something of what He has poured into our lives. That's why we have opportunity every week in our services to bring tithes and to bring offerings. And in the verses we read this morning, there's a reminder that when we honor the Lord with our wealth with the first fruits of all of our crops, so to speak. Then your barns, it says, will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. But for many of us, when we consider tithing at the beginning of the month, if we look at the numbers on the page, if we defer to our own understanding, often we can look and we can think, well, I'm not sure if this is gonna work. I don't know how much that bill's gonna end up with. I don't know how the MOT's gonna go. I don't know if we're gonna make it to the end of the month, and so we think, well, my own understanding says, I know, let's wait till the end of the month, let's pay these bills, and then when when we get to the end of the month, if we've got enough left, then we'll bring some back to the Lord. Guess what, when we function like that, at the end of the month, what happens? There isn't enough. See, the the call that comes to us is to not lean on our own understanding, but to trust in the Lord and what He says is a challenge for us to trust actively at the start of the month. Even when we look at the numbers and our own understanding says, that doesn't look like that works if we tithe. That doesn't look like that's going to work out, and yet the Lord says, bring it in. That's how we trust. That's how we actively say, God, you're my provider, not me. If I'm the provider, I'll trust the numbers on the page. But I'm not, you're my provider, so I'll do it the way that you say. It's not trusting how it looks to me, but trusting what God says. You know, so often we hear testimonies when we've preached about tithing and bringing offerings that people then step out in this area. And that when they do, they have a breakthrough and they say, I don't know how it happened, or this amazing... Payment came through that we weren't expecting, or somebody gave us some money, or something cost less than it should have done, and we made it to the end of the month. And the testimony so often is that when people tithe, they can afford to tithe. And when they don't tithe, their confession will always be we can't afford to tithe because you're living outside of God's blessing in that area. The key is trusting key is trusting not my own understanding on the, on the numbers no matter how good you are at maths it's trusting him and he's calling us today and saying will you trust me will you trust me we hear testimonies all the time about people stepping out to trust God with their finance. We don't share them all the time. We don't want to talk about money all the time, but sometimes it's good to share the stories, and we want to, hear, to let you hear someone's story this morning, so we're gonna invite someone up just to come and share the story of what God's done in their lives. So I wonder if you could give a really warm welcome to Neil McCoy-Ward as he just comes to the platform. <laughs> That's it, let's keep that applause going. Welcome, Neil. Come and take a seat. So this is Neil McCoy-Ward. He's married to Kristen. I'm aware some of you may not, you may or you may not know. Neil, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how long you've been at CLM. Um,
0: so that's my wife at the, at the back, uh, Kristen. And we've been at CLM, I thought it was like seven or eight months, but my wife like, reminded me it's actually a year now. Um, there we go. And... Um, we own the bubble, boba, bubble tea milkshake shop just a few minutes down the road, which I know a lot of you go to because we see you a lot, and um, Kristen mainly does that, and I have my own uh, training business, um, so that's a, a bit about me.
1: Brilliant, and you've got a story to share about trusting God that really begins with the Next Level offering last November, so I wonder, would you, would you share with us what was going on in you in the run-up to that offering and as you came to the service that morning?
0: So <laughs> when I was sat in the service, um, you know, money's all, I think, for all of us, it's always on our, our mind. I know people who have no money. I know people who have a lot of money. And I think it, that, that's one of the sort of things that is always present for everyone. And when Pastor Martin started talking about this next level offering, I thought, what's this next level offering? I'm already giving my next level offering. I'm tithing 10% every month. What is this? So initially, I was resistant to it. That's holding my hands up to that. I was a bit resistant. And um, over the sort of couple of weeks that it was talked about, I sort of open up about it and, um, you know, I opened my heart to it and I prayed about it. And my prayer really was asking God, how much should I give to this? But the harder I prayed about it, nothing actually came out. Nothing came to me. And I was getting really frustrated. So in the end, I thought, right, what can I afford? So there was no faith involved. I thought, what can I afford here? And that number was like 2,000 pounds. I thought, oh, it's a lot of money, but I'm going to pledge an extra 2,000 pounds if it's going to help. So that's, that's how it initially um, it started.
1: Okay, and then what happened when you came into the service? Is that what you actually ended
0: up pledging? I'm sat in the service, and Pastor Martin's brought this big hitter from somewhere, at Singapore, and I thought, oh gosh, he's really going through it, I bet better... right, here we go, let's get my, so the envelope comes across, and I've got my figure in my mind, 2,000 pounds, and the envelopes are coming round, and as i as soon as that envelope touches my hand, and I'm thinking, you know, what to, what, you know, I've got to write this down, I couldn't get a pen anywhere, I'm searching for a pen, anybody got a pen, no one's got a pen, and um, so a figure 2,000, 2,000 in my head, and just then whack right in my head 5000 pounds and i thought no 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 this is a this is a mistake right where's that <laughs> <coughs> where's that pen 2000 pounds don't don't start mind games now neil you're playing games with yourself 5000 5000 5000 it was just right in my head just like whack right there and um, Anyway, all the envelopes have already gone back in. Everyone, I'm still looking for this pen. I'm like, right, 3,000, Neil, 3,000. Let's write 3,000. So eventually I get a pen. Everyone else, and I'm, I'm writing my 3,000 on there. And then I just think, Do you know what? That, this just doesn't feel right, 3,000 pounds. Because I was so in my head thinking, you're about to move house. You're about to go on this holiday that you've been saving up for, for like two or three years. Um... There was just so much expenses. And I thought, well, nothing's changed in the last however many years in my business. It's been the same. So nothing's probably gonna change. I'm not doing anything differently. But then I sort of stepped out and I wrote the 5,000 pounds on there and uh, handed that envelope. And my palms were so sweaty and I was sweating all day. I took like two showers and it's, it's winter. But you made the pledge. But I made the pledge.
1: That's great, I'm gonna say we weren't deliberately withholding pens on that morning just to make it harder, but you made your pledge, and that's, that's three months ago, and then some things have happened for you financially since then, so, so just tell us a little bit what, what's happened since then.
0: We, we went on our trip a little bit after that, like really, really quickly after that. And like I said, we stayed for a long time, it's five or six weeks, we went around some different countries in, in Southeast Asia. And I'm not joking you, my biz, like nothing came through over Christmas. Like no calls, no emails, nothing. And your, your income I, depends on those things yeah. coming in. Okay. I was, I was sweating <laughs> and, and that's not just because it was a hot climate. I, I was sweating so much because I just thought, where's this, where's this money gonna come from? I've pledged it and I'm just, now I'm in my head strategizing, like where am I gonna get this money? How am I gonna do all this? Um, but then you came back from your trip. So I came back from my trip. And that first Monday, not joking, that first Monday, all of a sudden, I'm getting phone calls, there's emails. I'm thinking, what's going on? I usually get five or six calls or emails a week. And I was getting these, like, a day. And on the Tuesday, I got about 10 calls in a day. Out of nowhere, it was just, just out of nowhere. And in that um, in those two weeks, I actually sort of generated enough money. It was, was 12,000 pounds, actually. Um, it was a lot of money, so. Is it right you said yeah. it in the first
1: service, that, that that's kind of the amount you'd normally get in a month that you got in a week? Yeah,
0: right? yeah, couple, a yeah, couple of months sometimes, yeah.
1: So that was so enough was to, for you then to come and bring your pledge, or what, what happened next?
0: What, what happened then, and this is the message I really want to get across to you all, because um, this was the, the challenge. It was really hard to pledge that initial money, but that wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part was when that money was no longer like hypothetical, it was actual physical money in my bank account, and it was sat there, I could see that money, I could touch that money if I wanted to, And I really, you can guess what's coming next. I had the enemy in my head, like nonstop. It was ridiculous. It was like nonstop, day and night. You can do this, you can do that. Oh, don't give the money to the CLM. No, 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 use it for yourself. You know, you deserve it, you've earned it, Mm -hmm. this is yours. And it took a few days, it took a few days. And in the end, it got so intense that I thought, you know, this is just a test. That's all this is, it's just a test. So I, I don't know what time it was, really silly clock in the morning, but I just got on the computer and just transferred the money.
1: Brilliant. So you followed it through. Wonderful. Now, we're, we're looking at a scripture this morning that really is talking about trusting God. And yes, finance is part of that, but it's not, it's not the only part of our lives where we want to see the blessing, the blessing of God. But I'm aware that in your story, as you actively trusted God and stepped out, then there wasn't just a breakthrough financially, but there were some things that happened relationally as well. Would, would you share a little bit of that part of the journey?
0: Okay. I couldn't talk about it in the last service. I was just too... It was too um, but my, um, my brother and I don't have a good relationship. We, we, we never have. Um, just, you know, sometimes with siblings or people, you just... You, just, you know, it's difficult. And I think it's the case he's never really forgiven me for mistakes I made when I was young, you know, really young, that impacted upon him. Um, you know, and I think that's really the challenge. It's there. And so we don't have a good relationship. You, you didn't really interact. We don't talk. No. Okay. I mean, last time we spoke, we were never going to speak again. And then the last, um, during that, that week when the money was coming in, now, Chris and I were just sat there one evening, and I get a text message from my brother. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Now, that was a surprise, because he's a real like tough guy. He's the sort of guy that you, you know, you yeah. He's let's just say that. Um, <laughs> so, so for him to mess, and the message was so I was like this. I was honestly thinking someone would grab his phone. It was like, you know, it was, it was such a nice message. Just, you know, hi, how are you? You know, all that sort. Of, and I just thought this is, you know, it was out of character. Mm. So I, you know, replied. Christine was like, no, don't reply, don't reply. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's a good lady. She's <laughs> just trying to
0: protect him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, <clears throat> I replied. And I guess it really, again, forgiveness both ways. In my mind, it was sort of like, well, that last incident, we're going to just cut off, and we both sort of thought that. But, you know, I think as Christians, it's our job as well to, to forgive. Like, like Pastor Esther was saying, you don't necessarily have to 100% trust in that person, but I think forgiveness is important. It is. Uh, thank you. And um, so that's, I've definitely, you know, forgiven. I wouldn't say everything's forgotten, but I've certainly forgiven. I think one of the hardest things for me personally with, with forgiveness is it's easy to, to try and forgive yourself as well. But for me, when that other person doesn't give that forgiveness, that's that's what's tough because I, I feel like incomplete on it. I feel like I'm only halfway there with it. Um, but But to cut the get to the end of the story then. We've, we've sort of opened the dialogue. We're, we're, we're talking a little bit now. Um, and just, you know, I think it's a, it's a work in progress. Mm. It's, it's not gonna be perfect straight away, but. Brilliant. Yeah. Neil,
1: thank you so much for showing. Can we give him a really big hand? Thank you so much. Uh, Fabulous. Thank you. A great story. You know, Neil had sent in some of what was going on Uh, in his world in an email to us and he he put at the end of it you know because i listen to the lord and because i've actively trusted him i've been blessed in return and we, we rejoice to see what god's doing in their lives financially but relationally bringing restoration straightening the paths as as he does so if i can just bring us back really to the end of these verses this morning in proverbs he says in all your ways submit to him In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The different translations of the Bible translate this slightly differently. You might be used to hearing it said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And the truth is there are many different ways this gets written. Some say, seek his will in all you do. Others say, always let him lead you. Or in all your ways, know him. The word, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but from what I've read, I understand it can be translated different ways. But they all have a relational component. Nobody translates this as obey, nobody says do what you're told, but they all have a relational component, things like relate to him closely and intimately, walk in a yielded way, respect him in all your ways. You see friends, you've not been invited into a contract, we're not trying to learn a formula by which we can get out of God's hand what we want to get out of his hand, we've been invited into a covenant. Covenant relies not upon fulfillment of law, but upon relationship. And it depends upon trust. It all depends upon trust. The best picture of covenant in our current society is marriage. It's not about a legal contract. There has to be trust and relationship. In fact, if you had a marriage that was all about the contract and the legalities and people fulfilling certain things, it would be a terrible marriage. I don't think any of us are looking for a marriage like that. But a covenant requires trust and relationship. It's why in our marriages we have to work hard to build and to protect trust. And sometimes when trust is broken, we have to work particularly hard to rebuild trust. Covenant requires trust where both parties give everything. It depends on relationship. It depends upon intimacy and it hangs upon trust. That's why the Lord comes and says, trust me, trust me. God has called us to be his covenant people, those who dwell with him, those who are purchased by him, those who are intimate with him, those who walk in the blessings that he has for his people, those for whom he's given everything. And friends, he has fulfilled his part of the covenant. He is daily fulfilling his part of the covenant. He is fully giving all the time. And I know that we want to walk in the blessings of being his people. We want to walk in the blessings that get outlined in these verses. We want straight paths. We want barns that are overflowing, filled with good things. We want health. We want resolution and restoration in our relationships. But often we want those things and we want them on our terms. We want to enjoy the blessing of God but without functioning in covenant. But the key to covenant and the key to walking with God is that we come and we trust and we grow in trust, and we step out in trust, that we're active in our lives in choosing God's way and trusting with every part of our lives and right to our hearts. It implicates every part of our lives, what we do with our money every month, not just sometimes. It affects how we conduct our relationships. It affects how we make our choices and how we make our decisions, where we're going to seek to let God lead us. When it seems to make sense and when it doesn't, when we can see the end game and when we can't. And I feel that the Lord would want to say to you this morning, I've got you. Yeah. I've got you. I love you. Trust me. Trust me. Sarah, if you could come and join me. It's a simple message this morning, but God is calling you to trust him. And there's some young people here in the room this morning And you live in a world where all the people around you, nobody is trusting God, but He still says to you, trust me. Just because no one in your group or your crew or whatever, just because they don't trust God, it doesn't mean He's not trustworthy. It doesn't mean He's not gonna be true to what He said. It doesn't change His nature and it doesn't change the plan that He has for your life. And He has a plan that's wider, more expansive, and will take you further than you have yet begun to dream or to imagine but you've got to trust him. Trust him. Comes to all of us today. Will you trust me? And as we finish this morning, I want to ask the Holy Spirit and invite him to come and to search out our hearts. Say, which part of my heart, where am I not trusting you? Show me where I need to trust you. Where am I holding on to control? Which part of everything and right to the heart have I not given to you? And so I'm going to pray right now where we are. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, because yes. we want to trust you. We see again this morning that you are trustworthy, and we want to walk as your covenant people in trust, stepping into what you have for us, walking in what you have for us, that we'd know your blessing, we'd know your strength, we'd know your help in all things. But Carmen, shine your light, Lord, into the parts of our heart into the parts of everything of our lives where we're holding on and trying to control it instead of trusting you. Please show us this morning Holy Spirit and help us to trust and to step out and to be active in trusting you in those areas of our lives we ask in your name. In a moment we're gonna respond to the word this morning by coming to the communion table coming to renew our covenant, if you like, with him. That's what communion is really about, coming into that covenant and renewing it. It says in Romans 8, 32, it says these words, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? How will he not? And friends, as we come to the table at the end this morning, can I remind you of the God that you've come to serve? The God of the Bible, who made you to be in fellowship with him, who came and gave of himself to redeem you and to bring you back, who rescued you, who called you out, who came and found you, who gave his own body and blood. If he would give that, how will he not also give you all things? Friends the God you serve is good. He is loving, He is faithful, He is trustworthy, He is reliable. And if I dare say it, He's better than you are at working it out and planning ahead. So as you come to the table this morning, there's two tables at the front and two at the back, and in just a moment we'll open them up. As you come and you take the bread, and as you come and you take your cup, can I invite you to come and to remember the words of Jesus that says this is my body broken for you. That as you take the cup you remember the words of Jesus that this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that it was shed for you so you could say I'm yours and you're mine. As he says to you this morning I'm yours and you are mine that's the language of this table this morning and as you come to these tables can I encourage us that we give to the Lord everything again this morning in covenant we might want to say sorry that I haven't trusted you in this area help me God to walk differently from this moment take fear out of my heart Lord help me to keep looking at you I come to trust you and I come to renew covenant I'm going to walk where you ask me to walk I'm going to live how you ask me to live because I want to walk in covenant with you straight paths and with the blessing that you bring so let's pray this morning as we come to the tables lord jesus we thank you for your indescribable gift of yourself on the cross that your body was broken and your blood poured out to make a new covenant with us that we might be your people, that you would say over us that we are yours and you are ours as you poured out of yourself into us. And so we come to your tables this morning and we come to commit ourselves again to follow you, to give everything to you, to not hold back but to trust in you, in everything of our lives, that we might know you're making our path straight and that we would truly walk in the blessing of God. So meet us as we come to this table, we pray, Lord. And we thank you, King Jesus. You are a wonderful, faithful, marvelous God. And we worship and adore you. Amen.